Welcome to the Inner Dominatrix Podcast, the show that gets you stepping into your bold, sexy, fun-filled life. And I have a return guest that you are going to love because I love her. She's awesome. Cindy Ashton has returned as a guest, and we're going to talk about your voice, your performance, and what that all says about you, and of course, what you can do to show up more powerfully in your presentations, whether it's at work or in your conversations for sales or on the stage. So welcome back to the show, Miss Cindy Ashton. Hello, Dana Ferrand. You're one of my favorite people too. Like I just love you to bits, girlfriend. This is Aww, fun. We'll have a nice little love fest going on here. I know. Yay. <laughs> You're crazy. Okay. So that's why you love me. <laughs> it is. It is. You're good balance. I'm like so super practical some of the times and you like remind me to play. So yay. Yay. Okay. Let's get to the topic at hand. And that is the voice. Now, you know, years ago when you and I met <laughs> years ago, what was it about five years ago now? No, it was three. Three. Is that three it? Three years and three months ago. Wow. Okay. It feels like I a know. lot longer because we've like been through so much. It's crazy. But I, I still remember, you know, one of the conversations that we had, we were talking about voice and the fact that you, with your training and everything that you've done, you're really able to pick out what is going on with people just by listening to their voice and particularly whether they've had trauma that's still stuck, stuck in their body. And I want you to can you explain like what it is that you're listening for? How does that work? Dive. Yeah. So let me give like a really brief background. So the interesting thing is that I was training as an opera singer and I was doing my degree and I did a diploma before that um, to be a performer. That's what I was trained to be. And obviously I'm a performer as well as a speaker trainer. Um, and so obviously when you do 10 years of opera training, you know everything that you possibly can about the voice and what's resonant and what works and about breath and connection. But I did my second major, obviously the first one was music opera. The second major was in kinesiology. And kinesiology in the U.S. is not the same as it is in Canada. So I did my degree in Canada where I was born. Um, kinesiology is basically pre-med. So you're doing all anatomy, physiology, and all those wonderful courses. So I was like dissecting bodies and doing really fun stuff. Um, mm -hmm. But I specialized in relaxation therapy. And I started to understand about how stress triggers in the body, how stress patterns look in the body. And to and the way I really fell into presentation skills training is that I was like, well, why am I going to work at Food City at 585 an hour when I, you know, have already worked with Broadway performers and directors and I could be teaching people presenting skills. So I put an ad in the penny saver and I thought this was going to be my university job and it ended up being a lifelong job because I loved it so much. But I found years of training voices over the years, I would start to make connections between what their voice sounded like to what they have been through in their life to the stress patterns in their body and how that affected their posture, their body language, and mostly their ability to get results and, and mm. be able to close clients and be able to persuade people from the stage um, and in their personal lives, be able to have healthy relationships. And I could hear all that in the voice. It's incredible to think that you can pick up that much 
from the voice. Like that's just, it. it's mind blowing. <laughs> it's terrible for my dating life. I know everything about the guy. <laughs> In the first five minutes, I'm like, and ugh. yeah, one guy, I wanted to get rid of him because I was like, oh God, he's so stupid. He's a lovely person, but I need somebody who's smarter. And, <laughs> and I basically, I mean, I'm sure he's brilliant in his own way, but he wasn't smart in the way I needed him to be smart. So I just said, so how long has it been since you've been off cocaine? And he was like, what? I said, oh, I hear everything in the voice. And that, that, that ended the date. It was fantastic. Um, but yeah, so I hear everything in the voice. And unless you have actually worked through the trauma or issues or whatever you have, um, I hear it in the voice. And there's all kinds of subtle things that I hear. Um, where do you want me to start, Dana? So, so let's get an example. So, because we've touched on the trauma. Right. And, and how does like, what is it that your ear picks up when somebody still has trauma stuck in their body? Oh, so there's a bunch of different patterns depending on what the trauma is and when in their life they were traumatized. So for example, sexual trauma, I can tell in the voice if they were sexually tra traumatized as a child or as an adult because it sounds different. Wow. It's really crazy. So, and I discovered this because I had two clients in the row and when I was in my 20s, actually, I discovered this. They both had terror trying to get to the high, access their high notes. Now, everybody that I've met, whether they're a singer or a speaker, will tell me, I can't do high notes. I suck at them. So it's a common thing. But mm -hmm. there's a real terror or a real block that people who have been sexually abused have when with the high notes. And it's only certain types of people who are sexually abused. So what I noticed with both of them is that the first one kind of said, you know, I made, I was meditating on why I'm terrified, like terrified of these high notes. And she said, I remember that he would put my, his hand over my mouth and say, if you scream out, i.e. high notes of screaming, mm -hmm. I will kill you. And so she, she, and that was childhood. It was her father. And, um, and so she associates the high notes as being murdered. Wow. And then I had a client who was around the same time period who was doing also a lot of sound therapy. Um, not really sound therapy, but she was doing like those sound circles where people play instruments and they do random sounding right. for release. Again, yeah. could not get to the high notes because of sheer terror. And again, sexually abused as a child. So it's interesting because what happens is, is they cut off. So what I've learned, and again, I asked her why, and it was a very similar story around the terror of not being able to scream out, right? Whereas if you're assaulted as an adult, you're screaming out because mm -hmm. you're not in the bedroom of whatever, of your house when whatever. We should have got to details and traumatize people listening to this yeah. call. But um, sorry. Um, <laughs> so it's opposite. So women um, who have been traumatized in that way as an adult, what happens is, is because of the trauma um, in the vagina, it changes, um, this is a whole other, the whole science behind this is a whole other conversation, but mm -hmm. essentially it changes the brain and it changes a bunch of things. But because of that, it shuts off the entire pelvic floor, which means that the women have a hard time dropping down to their pelvic floor, which means their voices get stuck in their, so they automatically go higher. So they tend to have a higher tone and they're stuck in this higher tone. So it's partially for that reason, because they can't breathe into their belly and drop the sound. So it pushes their voice, it clamps the throat and makes the voice higher. But it also, um, what it also does is it, um, 
when you lose that power, it's like, you don't feel like you want to be seen after something horrific like that. You don't want yeah. to be seen. Yeah. So it's like, I'm just going to be very quiet and I'm going to have my voice up because it's just safer if I'm not too loud and in people's faces. So those are just a couple of examples when we, you know, there's things that aren't, I wouldn't say traumatic in like a sexual way, but there's things like I could always tell if somebody was never a lot allowed to voice themselves as a child, you mm -hmm. can hear by how their voices more set back in their back resonators and how they grip, you know, yeah, grip the throat. So I can always tell that it wasn't okay for them to speak up, but it's not just a gripping of the throat and the back resonance that's closed off, but there tends to be a bit of a wispiness with it. So there's also lots of alterations within that. So if it's not wispy, but it's gripping at the back of the throat, it means something different than it has a wispy sound. Or if they have holding their breath in different patterns. So if their breathing patterns has held breath, it tells me that they're grieving something. So, I mean, I can go on for like hours about this stuff, but it's, it's crazy what I can hear in people's voices. Now, I know everyone listening who knows me personally is never going to want to have a conversation. With <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but, but in translating this, I mean, this is, I find it fascinating and, it I, and I would love to, you know, just spend hours detailing out all the different things <laughs> because I'm, I'm, you know, my brain and my analytical brain is like, Ooh, this is so cool. Um, however, I, you know, I don't, want to make this just about here are the individual specs, but to right. give people an idea that when we haven't worked through, you know, past traumas, you know, baggage, holding patterns, when we don't work through that, then it has a serious impact on our life, our business, our ability to connect with even just in relationships, because even if people are not trained like you are, I think there's, there's a subtle um, connection that people pick up on. Like I right. think everybody picks up on these, these cues, but they don't necessarily cognitively click in. Right. So, and it affects your ability to be persuasive. Absolutely. And that's what I wanted to go is to talk about. So if we look at say a sales conversation, cause not everybody's on stage, but if we look right. at the sales conversation aspect of it, you know, what happens when, when somebody has that, um, catch and let's, let's take the high they're in that high tone what's the dynamic that ends up showing up for them? Right. That's a great question. What does it cost? So, so what is a cost? It costs the sales. It costs them looking credible. So, and it costs men tuning them out. So let me go into detail. Mm -hmm. Men are the opposite from dogs. So when we think about dogs, they're like, oh, woo, or we're like, hey, Snoopy, what are you hearing outside the door? And Snoopy can hear super high tones that us humans cannot hear. We're not as smart as dogs. Um, but <laughs> men, are actually, men are actually opposite from dogs. And so they actually don't hear high tones very well. So it, so when we always hear the typical, oh yeah, my husband tunes me out all the time. He doesn't listen. Right. And it's like, oh honey, it's because your voice is too high set. It could be, it's because your two voice, your voice is too high set. So the higher the pitch a woman goes, the more that it sounds like white noise to a man and it takes a lot for him to be able to concentrate. So we have to stop blaming men on this because sometimes, and we're not blaming the women. It's just an awareness piece because there's no blame. We, you know, people listening no. to podcasts know, know well enough that it's not about blaming. It's not mm -hmm. about being wrong. So, so that's the first thing is that, is that people tune you out, men and women do, but especially men because of the way that scientifically speaking, they hear things. Mm -hmm. In terms of if my voice is up in here, I don't sound like I'm terribly confident and I feel like I'm meek and I'm not sure if I ask you for $10,000 that you're going to believe that I can deliver on this voice. Yeah. 
it's, it's a fact. I mean, that mousy voice, we subconsciously relate that to a mousy person, right? Mousy people, we're worried that they're not going to be able to deliver, especially if we need them to do something very powerful. Right. Are you going to hire somebody with a mousy voice? Well, here's the other piece of it is when your voice is up here, you're breathing in your chest, which means that there's no connection to your pelvic floor and your breath mm-hmm. and your bottom. And the problem with that is that it actually makes your energy seem unstable and ungrounded. Wow. So here's the other thing is even if you are not even speaking, the energy from your body is more frenetic because it's not grounded down to the root of your pelvic floor and into your feet and into the ground. Wow. It's so your so energy, amazing. right. And people pick up on that energy. Yeah. I, you know, and it, it's, it's so interesting because I mean, like, there's the whole nonverbal, you know, it's not what we say, it's how we say it. It's the non, you know, our, our body language, all those things. But, you know, these are the minute details of how much our voice connects and says things to people. And so now, so we're taking this one slice and let's just keep working this one slice out. Now, if you were working with somebody who had that high voice, they're stuck up in the higher octaves. They're not, you know, they're only breathing from that upper, you know, it's like a mousy little thing going on. What would you do to get them to get down into their body? Well, the first thing is I would do an assessment to see how much trauma they have. And I, you know, and I wouldn't do a questionnaire of, you know, have you been abused? Have you, I wouldn't do something like that, but I read people so I can read it and just ask them questions about their business and what they're doing. That will tell me um, a lot about whether or not they're ready to be trained. Mm. So there's, there's, there's two things on this is the first is, is that what I know is that what do I do to help them drop? I do a lot of breath work into the pelvic floor. It's not just breathing in your diaphragm. It's about really, so I do a lot of muscle relaxation, drawing from my degree. I do a lot of deep breath work and I teach people, we're never taught this. How do you open up the back of the throat and connect your breath into your voice? So it's relaxed and more resonant. Now, that's what I would do with them if they are ready for me. But here's the thing is that this is a dangerous place is that if they have not worked through their trauma to a certain point, if I do that deep breath work and body work with them, they could end up because trauma sits deep in our cells, which is a why a lot of this talk therapy stuff drives me crazy. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it really disturbs me because they're talking about it and, you know, it's, it might help them to understand it cognitively, but trauma scientifically has been proven to sit in your cells. So, which is where you come in. Cause that's what you help people to release is that mm-hmm. trauma right on a cellular level, which is amazing. Mm-hmm. Um, you're welcome. I'm a big fan. Um, <laughs> But that's the thing is if I, I do not want to be in a position because I am not an expert in releasing trauma from people's cells. That's where you come in. Mm -hmm. So there's been a lot of people where it's very delicate because I can't say, well, you haven't told me, but I can tell that, you know, you're abused as a child. Like I could never say something like that to somebody or, you know, so I have to find a really gentle way. But if I try to do deep breathing with someone who has not done enough work on themselves, that again, let me scratch that because that's about making the right and wrong. But who has not done, who has not evolved to a certain, you know, because we all have layers, right? Yeah. I mean, I've, I've done tons of work and I still have layers. So yeah. if they haven't gotten through a certain level of layers, that feels better to me. If they haven't gotten through a cer- certain level of, you know, layers, 
that breath work that I do with them could traumatize them further because it might release something traumatic from their body that I am not qualified to deal with. And I'm very aware of that. And they're not ready to process or you get this flood that comes forward. Right. If you're releasing it and it's too much and they don't have something in place to deal with it. Like I know, you know, going back, you and I have worked very deeply with my voice and, and do, I've done this breathwork stuff with you. And it's even, you know, with all of the extensive therapy that I've done, all the extensive body work and, and energy work and, and whatnot, I still found that the, the deep breath work pulled stuff up. And there were times where in the session I was like, okay, Cindy, I need to go and work through this because like, that's mm-hmm. as much as I can do today. It's yep. turned too much up. So I can't imagine if I hadn't done the depth of, of uh, processing and going and diving into that, it would just be a, like a waterfall, Niagara Falls of, right. of, you know, of emotions coming down, which is like you say, it's re-traumatizing. Right. And that's the last thing that I want to do to a wonderful, beautiful human being. Yeah. So what I will do is send them to you is I will find a way to lovingly point out stuff that they've said where I, so let me give you examples. Somebody who is functioning from their trauma sabotages their business all the time, Mm. sabotages a relationship, sabotages all their, and they're not even aware of it. And it actually got to the point where even for the speech writing and the storytelling, where I'm not working with people on the body stuff, I actually just won't take on a client because here's the thing is we see all these programs, you know, make six figures and 60 days, do this, do that. And I'm like, are you not taking, like, if somebody hasn't worked through the trauma to a certain level, it's going to show up in ways that's going to sabotage your success. So let me give Mm -hmm. you a few ways that I've seen with previous clients where I just won't even take on those clients anymore. Um, I'll do them the favor and say, stop spending money on your business until you get this dealt with. And I, and again, I have to be really loving about it. And I am. Mm-hmm. Um, so here's the thing that I'll see. So I offer premier services, which means that my clients get unlimited access to me. My clients who have gone through enough layers are the ones who might email me once or twice a week, might need an emergency call once or twice a month. Right. Um, My clients who have not gotten to a certain level of layers, you know, who are still very traumatized, would email me three to 10 times a day with panic. Mm. Cindy, so this meeting planner said yes, but I haven't gotten the contract yet. Should I call her? And I'm like, well, it was just a day ago. Oh, Cindy, two hours later, Cindy, I know that you said not to call her, but I just had to call her because she said the contract would be here. And I'm like, right. And by the time that day is done, they've lost the sale. Right. So that's just an example. But I find that they're always, or they send me emails, Cindy, are you sure the strategy is going to work? And I'm like, okay, we'll breathe into your body and check in and see if this intuition, because we, because one of the things is that I always have 10 million strategies I can give a client. I customize strategies. And, and, and so based on where they're at in their business and what their assets are, where we can leverage. But I also ask the client what energetically feels right to you, because I might have a brilliant strategy, but if something is out of alignment, they're not going to succeed. Right. Yeah. So, but again, like everything, we would have a session and they feel really, I have them grounded. They're feeling confident. They feel good about this and they second guess themselves. They're always second guessing. Nothing's ever, you know, or, or they might get one email back from, they might do outreach and get 10 people saying yes. And one person saying no, and they're catastrophizing it and they're going and they, they can't recover for three, four days. 
mm. from it. You know, it takes three because they're so, and they're crying and they're, and again, it's not a judgment, but there's a big difference between the people who are still living with a huge amount of trauma and how they sabotage their success. So I just simply won't take somebody on because, you know, my prices are on the high end because of where I'm at and what the results I get, yeah. the expertise I have. And, and I cannot ethically take somebody on that I know is only going to get okay results because they're going to be sabotaging themselves all the yeah. time. Yeah. You know, can't ethically do it. And I don't want to, I want them to get, be sustainable and I want them to live, live well, you know, and, and, you know, that's why I was just redirect them to you. But yeah. yeah, so I mean, so I think it's really important for people to recognize like what, how are you, are certain things showing up all the time? Like you're second guessing yourself, you're always panicked, you can't wait for a reply. Um, you know, if something doesn't go your way, it becomes, you know, why me? I worked so hard, any of that kind of stuff, or it becomes like something where you have a huge disappointment where you go, oh my God, but I thought this was it. Now I have to restart like that big catastrophizing stuff. That'll tell you that you're dealing with trauma. Yeah. Oh, and this is so good because, you know, I've been really working to educate people on that same kind of message and, and letting people know that if, if you're constantly looping around these things, but I think it's good to have them have people be aware of what are the symptoms? What are the behaviors? You know, if you feel you have to like email somebody many, many times you're, and you're feeling kind of, you know, lost, you feel like you have to cling on to somebody, then it's like, you know what, let's back up, look at what's underneath it. And I love the fact that you won't take somebody on because they're not going to get the results until they deal with the deeper issue. That says so much about your integrity of who you are. Because I, I see so many people, I don't know whether the, the majority of coaches don't understand. I don't think this is the deeper layer. Yeah. Because I think there's a lot of people taking on clients, whether it's visibility coaching, business coaching, or, you know, how to become a six figure or seven figure. And, and they're not realizing that people still have that deeper work to do mm-hmm. before they can implement anything. Right. And I agree. I think that, I think that there's a lot of coaches with really good hearts who just don't Mm. realize this piece. And I would love to see in the coaching world, a whole awareness around this. And I know for me personally, years ago, I had coaches who says, well, you're not working through your stuff enough. You're not breaking through enough. And they made it all about the blame of me. And anybody that knows me knows how unbelievably hard I work and willing Mm -hmm. I am to own my crap. And, and, you know, and it ended up really causing me a lot of shame, like, but I don't understand. And because they have this belief that your thoughts create your reality. And I disagree with that. I mean, yes, your thoughts create your reality, but if you have trauma in your body, you know, and that's changing your cellular memory and it's changing your, how your nerves are firing in your brain, you could try to think positive, but you might not be physiologically able to think differently because of the trauma sitting in your body. Yeah. Yeah, it's you know, it's all great to put in the the high level program or thought of like I am a you know I'm a wealthy person, but if the underlying program that's set up from the trauma is you don't deserve Jack, then right. that's what's going to actually run because it's kind of like the operating system, and what's right. running at the operating system is what functions. Okay, so I you know I've really we've gone way down the path of of the trauma piece. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, and I love it, you know, because you and I both have like you know a huge desire to passion see this change, passion yeah. to see this change for people. Um, but I want to, you know, kind of touch on maybe one other voice pattern that we can, you know, take and go down and dive into the same way. So, what other ones do you see that is comes up again and again? Oh, so this is the one 
this is more about, this is going to be an interesting one for people. It's not so much a voice pattern, but how your voice changes when you talk about different things. So I see a lot of speakers going up on stage, and I will relate this to the sales conversation in a moment, okay? Mm -hmm. But I see a lot of speakers going and doing all this speak to sell stuff, and they take, they spend $10,000 to train with X person to learn how to sell from the stage. Mm -hmm. And they go on stage, and they're delivering their talk, and they're telling their story. So let's say that the audience is loving them. They're confident. They're buying in. The audience is like, wow, this person is really amazing. I love this. And then the person starts to tell the story and suddenly their voice changes. So my voice just changed and I'm telling this story, which I think I'm over, but now I'm holding jaw tension and I sound angry when I'm telling the story while I'm still trying to be happy. Oh, ouch. Right. I mean or Another voice pattern could be like, and now I'm trying to tell this story and my voice goes a little bit more meek because I'm still feeling intimidated by the person that I'm talking about this story about. And so now I don't sound like a very confident presenter. Okay. So the thing is, is that when you, if you're networking, you're talking about your business or you're giving a client example, or if you're telling a story, mm -hmm. right? So relating this to people who aren't on stage, or if you're on stage, if you have not cleared your crap around that story that you're telling, that is going to read in your body. Mm -hmm. It's going to change the stress levels in your body, which changes your body language, which then affects your voice. So true. So crazy. So crazy, yes. I can't tell you how many people who are like, I overcame cancer, and they go on stage to talk about it, but they're really, but they haven't worked through all the grief that they've been through. And when they're telling the story, their, their, their breathing pattern changes and they sound and their voice gets shaky because they're not getting enough breath in because they keep holding their breath because they're still labored about the whole thing. Wow. So how is somebody going to want to buy something from you if they're too busy feeling sorry for you? Oof. Or being turned off from you because you come across as angry. For example, if you have an ex-partner that you created something with and you're talking about that product and you're angry about it, you know, people don't realize, oh, you're like lit up. Like I can just tell that this stuff is like, I know, I know. And you know, and the sad thing is, is that, you know, a lot of people don't understand how important it is to deal with the, the stuff. But a lot of people, even a lot of my clients will do three months and they start to get, you know, three month packaging, they get results and then they stop. And they're like, but Cindy, I've like doubled my sales. I have a lot of clients, my typical client doubles their sales, right? In about three to four months. Mm -hmm. And they're like, oh, good. I'm doubling my sales. I've done great. And I'm like, oh, honey, I can quadruple you if you're willing to do deeper voice work. You know, let's keep doing the voice work because I'm getting you in alignment with what you're saying. And the thing is, is if you're not over a story, that's fine. Just change the story. Change the stories you're using. Change mm -hmm. the talking points. You're, you know, you got to be in alignment and clear of the stuff that you're pitching and delivering when you are in your business. Absolutely. And, and you know, I know for me, yeah, I don't pick up quite as well. Who knows? I, I, I tend to think that I don't pick up as much auditorily, but I think I do. I think I just process it and it's a, it's a feeling, it's a gut feel. So when, when I listen to speakers, there's a lot of speakers I have a hard time listening to because they are so not in their body. Mm -hmm. And so they're telling this personal story and they're completely detached from it which is you know, another thing. You can either be too emotional about it or not emotional, like not even connected. And either of those situations for me, kinesthetically, is like nails on a chalkboard. Uh -huh. And so I'm, I can't listen to them. I can't, I can't hear them and I won't buy from them. Yep. 
Yeah, I mean, I'm I'm really tired of these people who are these people who are sales and business coaches saying, "Let me teach you how to speak to sell." And I'm like, "You're giving people a sales script. That's what yeah. you're doing, and you're not even working on their content to make sure their content is in alignment with what they're selling, and when their content is in alignment with who they are, and you're not checking out their body language because you're a sales coach." You're yeah. not a presentation coach. You don't understand their body language. Which is yeah. one aspect of it. I mean, the sales piece of it is one aspect of it. It is. And I think it's really, listen, so you're right. I think <laughs> so let me, let me rephrase this. If you're going to work with a sales trainer on how to speak to sell, that's excellent. But understand what you're buying. Yes. I think that's a better, thank you for correcting me on that. No problem. Because yeah. I think there's, there's room for all of us. And, and some people only need that sales tweaking because right. they don't have the other pieces. But to understand that if you, you, know, you go and you take this sales training from a sales coach who, who speaks on Speak to Sell, and that's their one vertical, and you're not getting the results that they're getting, that maybe there's some of these other factors in play. Maybe right. there's, you know, your message is not in alignment or maybe your voice needs to be cleared because there's some trauma that needs to be cleared. But to recognize that you're not broken, you're not a mess because you didn't make it work for you. There's just another layer that also needs to be implemented. Yep. So. Yeah. And the thing is that I'm a big believer that we should be working with multiple people over time, not at the same time. But mm -hmm. like, I still remember, because you know, obviously I trained you. Um, there was a time where you said, hey, there's a workshop by Patricia Fripp. Are you okay if I take that? And I said, absolutely. Patricia Fripp is an excellent speaker trainer. Excellent. And I'm like, please, because I'm brilliant and I'm not brilliant to everything. She's a great wordsmith. I am not a great wordsmith. I'm great at positioning and pitching in terms of ideas, but word for word and really wordsmithing, that's not my genius. Mm -hmm. And I think it's really important that, and I know we're going off from the voice stuff for a second, but I think it's important for people to recognize that no one trainer, no one coach, no one person or program that you work with is the end of it. You are always training. You're always looking to fill in more gaps and grow. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And you know, I keep coming back around to this, that I think that it would be nice if there are more people like you who can assess, you know, what is the starting point that people need um, and tell people that you know, I, I knew when I started, I, I said, you know, I just, I want somebody who has a map. Where do I need to go? I, I recognize that I'm going to need to work with multiple people, but what is the map? What's the starting point? Because everybody has their unique little spin and yeah. you need this, you need this, but nobody's saying, okay, you need this piece, but make sure you have these pieces first. And, and that would be so helpful. I mean, I know. I'm I a mean, little biased. But. No, I, I agree with you. And I think that, I think that that's, I think that I wish there was a service out there. I mean, I have a lot of people give me referrals and I'll do a call with someone and they said, my friend X said that you would be honest with me about where I'm at and what I need. Mm -hmm. A lot of people I turned down that I know if I really wanted to, I could close them on the phone. Yeah. But I know that they need something else before that. And right. you know, part of me is like, I should have a service. So I'm just going to give you the truth. <laughs> And here's a map, but I don't have time for that because I'm so busy with, with everybody else. But, yes. um, but I love that idea. I mean, I wonder if that could be created and we train people what to look for. That would be an interesting thought. That would be cool. All I right. mean, we do that with our speakers. For my booking agency, we do that. We give oh. them the map. Yeah. For my booking agency, um, you know, if somebody wants to be an elite level speaker and be represented, you know, you're one of our people that we're going to be representing soon. Yes. Um, you know, if they don't qualify, we actually give them a map and we give them referrals or they can train with us. It's their choice. Yeah. I, I think that's, a, that's an important piece because there's so much 
there's so much information bombarding everybody all of the time. Uh Um, I mean, personally, I tend to think first thing, first and foremost, deal with the trauma. Uh Whatever trauma it is, if there's no trauma, then, you know, the other thing is start looking at what are the core issues, what are the core beliefs, get that out of the way before you start trying to implement any kind of strategy, any kind of speaker training, anything, anything. And spending hundreds of thousands of, maybe not hundreds, but tens of thousands of dollars. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Because it's a waste. If you don't have that base in place, then you're wasting your money. Mm -hmm. But I do get that a lot of people get, you know, caught up in the bright lights and- And they're excited. And they're passionate. It's lovely. Yeah. Yeah. And listen, if we're going to be truthful, nobody really wants to admit that they have trauma. And a lot of people Mm -hmm. don't realize that they have trauma. And a lot of people have done the work, but don't realize that it's still sitting in their cells. So they've done a lot of self-help stuff. They've done a lot Mm -hmm. of, and so they have made some improvements, but they don't, so they don't get it because they're like, yeah, but I'm doing fine. Or, you know, or I've already done the work. I don't understand. And it's tough, right? Nobody really wants to admit that they've been traumatized. I mean, I yeah. can admit I've been traumatized in so many different ways. And, you know, <laughs> you and a couple of other people have been my biggest catalyst for me to get through it. And I still call on you. I think I'd probably do a mini session with you once a month still. Yeah. Again, because I still have more layers. <laughs> well, there's, there's an ever expanding layers to go into. You know, once we get past the, the piece of feeling broken, uh-huh. Then, then it's like, okay, now we're stepping into our power. And as you step into your power, new things come up. And then it's about how do you keep evolving as a human being? And just yeah. like, you know, your layers with speaker training, you know, first of all, you need to know the basics. You need to how how do you craft a speech? How do you position it? How do you start to pitch? And then as you grow as a speaker, then there's bigger things. Uh-huh. And there's, you know, there's just this concept. I mean, speakers that I know that have been speaking for 30, 40 years, they haven't stopped learning. Well, here's what's really interesting. I was just talking to our mutual friend this morning, Barb Strulemer, great business strategist. Yes. And I was giving her my update and I said, oh yeah, I'm, I'm registering for a beginner camera on camera class. Now, for the people who don't know me, I've been performing for over 20 years and have worked with Emmy winners and Broadway performers and blah, 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 and have done extensive training. And I said, the reason why I'm, I'm, I'm signing up for a beginner class is because when you get to a certain level, you forget the fundamentals and get into bad habits. Mm. You know, and I have a TV show that's on a 186 million screens across the world, you know, that's heavily marketed and blah, blah, blah. So I still am taking a beginner on camera class, even though I get paid to be on a TV show, because there's something to be said about always being willing to be humble and learn. Mm, Yes. Always approaching everything from that beginner's mindset. That's the, Mm. that's a huge key because you, you, you know, you drop back into that humility and it's amazing what you learn the next time around. You go back to that, those early things. Um, the fundamentals, right? There's always fundamentals, which is fantastic. Yeah. I yeah. love that about you. <laughs> okay. I'm really get dirty and messy. It's fantastic. You are. You <laughs> are. So, um, so just before we wrap up, I would love for you to let people know where to get in touch with you. So you've got Speaker Stardom and you've got Cindy Ashton. What do you want people to reach out to you for? Okay. So if you are interested in speaking training, your persuasive voice dot com. If you're a speaker that wants to get paid bookings, go to speakerstardom.com. Or if you want to watch me on TV, you can get all the access of where I am on TV at cindyuncorked.com. Woohoo. Yes. Yay. Yay. Dana, by the way, was on an episode. Yes. You can watch her live on Roku and all kinds of places right now. 
<laughs> oh, Cindy, I, you know, it's always a pleasure to connect with you. And, you know, I really appreciate the depth of your expertise and how you're also able to translate that into you know, really bite-sized pieces for people. So you've taken these huge topics and we've just, you know, distilled it down into something that's usable, practical, and fun and exciting to learn. Thank you. Yay. Well, thank you for having me. And thank you for letting my voice out on this one because I'm very passionate about this work. So thank you. I know you are. Thank you. Thanks everyone (laughs) for listening. If you're one of the many people who has been through any kind of sexual trauma and you identify with some of the symptoms that Cindy and I talked about here on the show, then I would love for you to join me on a 30-day trial of the Trauma Release Program. There's going to be a link in the show notes, a link on my page, links everywhere for you to jump in and join me for 30 days of unlocking and unwinding all of this trauma from your body so that you can free yourself to have the life that you want.